to the Krypton Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi's Superman prequel show, Krypton. I'm Michelle, and with me, as always, is Lacey. Hi, guys. Hey. So, um, we're here, second episode, super exciting. Uh, episode two is titled House of L. Um, one, quick, <laughs> one quick note of news. Um, there's not too much news yet for this show, but uh, we did get the Live Plus 3 ratings for the pilot, and it was over 2.5 million people. Um, that makes it the sci-fi's biggest premiere since Ascension in 2014. So that's exciting. Um, and that also bodes well for renewal. So as long as like at least three of these 10 episodes is in that vein of numbers, we'll probably definitely get a season two. Is it bad that I don't remember Ascension like at all? Probably. Yeah, I have no idea what let's that not, is. Let's not go down that road. Okay. <laughs> Somebody will probably tell me what. That is. <laughs> Feel free. Somebody in the Twitterverse will let you know what it is. Um, so yeah, so that's awesome. Um, I know we got some. There was some live plus one ratings for last night, but there, I think you said it had a, what a. One yeah, it dropped by like a tenth of a point, which is actually pretty good in terms of week to week holdover. Yeah, but I think that the bigger. The, the better thing to be able to tell how it's doing will be the the sort of plus three and plus seven numbers because yeah. let's all be honest how many people really watch most of their programming when it airs <laughs> right. so and it's a I 10 p.m show so is, is gonna be a big deal for the show yeah yeah and like the you know even if you are watching something the same evening you're probably watching your eight or nine o'clock show your 10 o'clock show you're probably gonna keep for the next day or something so <laughs> I mean, I have multiple 10 o'clock shows some nights, so yeah. that's definitely not happening in real time. I, I have the un, the fortunate slash unfortunate circumstance of the two shows that I recap for TV Source Magazine are on the same night. Ugh. I'm like, really? <laughs> really, Riverdale and Krypton, you must be on at the same time. <laughs> so then I sit up like trying to write my recaps. It's great. Speaking of recaps, let's get into this episode. So first thoughts, did you like it, didn't like it? I did like it, but I liked it for a different reason than I thought I would. I thought that the, well, a couple of things. One thing I did really like that it is so obviously like this is not like the other shows kind of in the DC TV realm in that it's it's certainly not a self-contained episode. It's not like a villain of the week episode. It's very clearly like an ongoing story that's just been split up into multiple pieces. Right, right. Um, I love that because the show does not need like X Y Z thing of the week kind of thing. No, <laughs> and and I thought it was interesting after all of the build up last week that we actually, you know, spend so little time on on the Brainiac part of the story that in I'll underline by saying in my opinion in my opinion like Seg's story was kind of the the background story this week rather than I think the big A plot or at least it was for me I was much more interested in almost everything else going on which I don't know I think that's a really kind of a bold because I mean this is a show that's ostensibly about Superman and well not about Superman but about Superman's grandfather and the legacy of House L and and Seg somehow was like not the most interesting plot happening in the second episode so you know well played there yeah and I feel like I'm tuning into the show pretty much 80% for the women anyway. And that was a, this was a great episode for all the ladies in it. 
Yeah, I agree. I kind of, it was funny when I was watching it, um, I got this feeling that in some iteration of production, episodes one and two were meant to air back to back. That would make sense um, to me. Because they, they very, it very much felt like one episode. And I felt more at the end of episode two that I was like set up for the season than I did at the end of episode one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just sort of the way, like you're saying, the two episodes were sort of divided amongst like the first episode, you know, the pilot was a lot of seg and then this episode was a lot of the other characters. And so it kind of felt to me like one cohesive, like setup, you know, introduction to the, to the world, you know, world building and like just the whole like encompassing of the universe, giving us a little bit of like the political, a little bit of the religion, a little bit about each house. And so like the, when you put the two episodes together, I feel like it just felt like one flowing, flowing story. Um, and so, yeah, in my, in my like head, I was like, Oh, I wonder if at some point this show was maybe going to air at nine o'clock and they thought we'll air the first two episodes back to back. And so that's sort of how they ended up getting cut. And then that didn't happen. Um, because this episode literally picks up the moment that the last episode ended. Mm hmm. Um, I like this idea. I, I really, for some reason, I think that, like, if they were like, it's a two-hour premiere, and then both of these air together, I think that yeah. would be really interesting, because I feel like if, if people came into it this week without seeing last week's, I don't know, and I guess we'll have to sort of wait to next till next week to see, like, how accommodating the story is of people who didn't start at the very beginning, but, right. like, I feel like they didn't leave a lot of room for people who didn't watch the pilot. Right, and I feel like if you you know, you didn't watch last week and like, you know, then you heard people talk about it and now you're like, hey, maybe I'll check this out. Being able to watch episode one and two back to back will, will really like give you a good sense of everything that's going on and like where we're going moving forward. Mm -hmm. I felt like the seg, so it was interesting. I heard some people kind of commented on how like seg didn't seem to have a lot of grieving time. Um, that he, like, sort of just goes right into, like, a revenge mode. My only commentary on that would be everybody grieves differently. And if yeah. you've, like, ever lost, like, I've lost a parent. So, like, and I know other people who have. And we've all had a different process. So, like, sometimes something super traumatic is hard to, like, emotionally process right away. And, you know, like, he has that moment where he's in their home and he's just kind of sitting there and then that lady and her daughter shows up. And I felt like you could really see the weight that's sort of sitting on him in that moment. Um, but other than that, he seems like he's, like, reactionary. So I think he's more sort of like, I can't sit and dwell on this. I need to focus on doing something. And that's sort of, like, his trajectory in this episode. Because well, it's like, to, yeah. To point before... Um, about this episode picking up right after the conclusion of the first one, how long has this been for him? Like, what, like a day? A couple yeah, of days? I don't even think, I think it's a day. <laughs> yeah, maybe not even a day. Yeah. Like, it feels longer for me because I'm a viewer and it's been a week since I've watched the pilot. But, like, for him in the context of the story, it's maybe been, like, 24 hours since he saw his parents get murdered in front of him. So I think it's okay for him to be a little sort of in shock still. Or, or to or to be kind of messy about how he reacts to it. He hasn't right. had any time to process it. Right. And, like, a lot of things, like, literally his whole life has changed in a matter of hours. You know, he went from being rankless to being told, okay, you're going to be, you know, ranked now and, and part of a guild, to having his parents murdered, 
And, like, like all of these things happened in a span of, like, 24 hours. So it's, like, he, ha I think he's also, like, a little shell-shocked. And so he's just sort of trying to focus on the one thing that he can control, which is how he reacts. Yeah. But I do agree that that was, like, the least interesting thing to me that happened in this episode. Like, as much as I love him... And, and I, you know, obviously want to see his journey. Otherwise, I wouldn't be watching the show. Um, I was far more interested in, you know, what was going on with everyone else. Even, like, Kem and Adam together. I loved it. I was like, this is, like, the buddy comedy I want to see, like, as a spinoff. <laughs> like, Kem and Adam, like, going, searching for meteors in the, in the wastelands or wherever it is that they are. And, like, seeing them, like... Adam get the, you know, have to get a new clothes and give up his hat and like, oh. Oh. went out for the hat. <laughs> and then, oh my God, I think I tweeted this. I don't know if you saw it, but I have this weird headcanon of like every time Adam, so we know Adam's a time traveler, right? So he's coming from like a future, like a, a future earth, but we don't know like what year he comes from, right? Mm -hmm. And so every time he pulls out that pack of cigarettes, my headcanon is automatically that he's coming from Adventures of Superman and George Reeves is his Superman. Because <laughs> I'm like, in no other iteration of Superman are they smoking cigarettes. <laughs> so like, I know. I mean, what's going to happen to him when that pack runs out I, is, my, is like a, a very serious question that I have. But um, back on seg for like one <laughs> second, I think... And I had this, I had this realization earlier. I think part of the reason that I'm not super invested in this story at the moment is because it's kind of just a lot of tropes at the moment that I've seen before. Like he is upset. He's contemplating revenge. He right. wants to like, you know, make, he, he wants to take on the sort of system of candor, not because he thinks it's, you know, he has any necessary opinions about whether or not it's a great like way to run Krypton, but because he wants to like get revenge or, or restore his family or whatever. And I feel like we've seen that in so many other stories. And I really am hopeful that they're not going to sort of keep it there. Like, I like that Seg is someone who is not, and we've talked about this a couple of times. He's not like a completely like, he, he's not a super good person yet. Like he right. is not relentlessly good. He is, basically sitting in a room contemplating you know murdering someone and at that moment I kind of see him going through with it and not being incredibly shocked by that so I hope I hope ultimately where we're going is not like a a whole like restore the house of L of that sort of sort of obviously what will likely happen in the end but because I loved that part where the other rankless were kind to him and and sort of grieved with him a little mm -hmm. because they knew his parents and and I want I want him to be a different kind of hero in the end. This is just me sort of wish casting where I want this show to go. I want him to be someone who stands up for what who who stands up against the sort of like systems, the way that Candor is organized, not because it has anything to do with his his family honor or his personal goals, but because he's like I've seen these people, I've lived among them. I know that they're good because they were there for me when when no one else was. And they genuinely grieve for me in the way that all these other sort of gilded elite people did not. And that's why the sort of split of power in the society is wrong. I've been reading like a lot of articles about the resistance this week, I guess. But like, that's what I want. Writers call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, 
Um, you know what it is? I feel like he is very, very much in the typical hero's journey. You know, there's always like that, that revenge aspect and the, you know, like the mission is laid out for him. He rejects the mission at first, but then, you know, realizes later on that like he has to sort of, you know, why he has to, to do it. And, um, you know, so I feel like he has had a very like, not like, uh, I don't want to use the word trope, but yeah, like he's sort of, his, his story is very much like the, all the regular tropes that we've seen before. Um, but like, I know it's not fair of me to be like, uh, can you please like become a completely different kind of person and heroic character 24 hours after your entire life <laughs> turned upside down? Could you just like get on that a little? But that's, that's hope. I would really like to see this show do a lot in terms of, of subverting our own expectations, not just of the mythology that, you know, is part of it, but of just sort of tropes of the genre generally. And I feel like it's already doing that in some ways. And I think it can just keep doing that. Yeah. I think that we'll see that because even what, as soon as he um, turns the AI on and is able to see, you know, Valel and get sort of that explanation from his grandfather, he has like a better understanding of like, that this isn't just about him. Mm-hmm. That it's like an all encompassing thing that, you know, has been left for him to carry on. And I, I got the feeling towards the end of the episode that he, not that he's put the revenge behind him. Cause I definitely don't think that's the case, but I think he sort of has a, be- a better grasp of like, okay, th- this isn't just all about me. And, mm-hmm. and there's, there's bigger things at work here. Um, and so I think that's kind of why he makes that decision to say, like, no, you know, I'm not just going to fall in line and, and you know, be a part of your house. and But I do still want to be a part of the Science Guild and everything and, you know, take on my grandfather's work. Um, so I think I think that we'll, we'll get there with him probably fairly quickly. Um, I hope so. Yeah. I also feel like I need a flowchart of, like, how the guilds and stuff are structured. I'm like, so you can just be in a guild and not be part of a house? Or... I'm lo- it's it's really sad that I'm looking at this in sort of you know Harry Potter or Game of no. Thrones. I'm like you can't you can't be one without the other. This doesn't work like this. But right? Maybe it does work like this. I no, I guess so. I was trying. I was thinking about this today too, or yesterday too, because I was like, oh, okay, so he can wear the sigil of the Science Guild. Okay, so in my head, I was trying to figure out. I guess when he became part of House Vex, like he wasn't necessarily not going to be an L anymore. He just wasn't going to wear the sigil. Like, he'd be wearing the House Vex sigil. So it's not so much about, like, your last name as as it is about, like, who you're representing or what you're representing. Because then I was thinking about, like, Light Azad, for example. Um, I read somewhere on one of the wikis that, like, she is the, the mother of Drew Zod. So in my head, I'm like, wait, if she's... General Zod's mother, then that, like, how do they determine the last name of, like, a child? Like, if she, if she binds with Devem, I guess it's not a patriarchal society. Oh, this is now <laughs> more confused. And then I'm like, or maybe, like, you just take the last name of the higher ranking house. Um, maybe. Because I did read, like, I was reading an interview with, I think it was with Wallace Day, who plays Nissa, and she was saying how, like, gender is she used the word fluid but that's not what she meant she meant like 
it's it's not like a thing where like oh you're like not traditional male female roles like we have in our society mm-hmm. it's just which obviously you know um Jaina is the head of the military so clearly they they value women in positions of power so my thought would be whichever one of you is like the higher the higher position is like the name that gets taken it makes sense to me because like now I'm thinking like okay well Lyda just became a commander in this episode so now she is of higher like rank and status than Dev so if they bind and have a child while she's still of higher rank and status that would make sense that the child would take her name and not his internet help us <laughs> does any, this is a serious question guys does anyone know anything more about this because I would like to know more about this and I don't, I don't believe there's any sort of real precedence for this in the comics so I think this is all just going to be sort of like show stuff and maybe they'll explain it maybe they won't but I was just thinking about like oh I know that she's the mother of Druzad so I'm like how is that obviously they don't necessarily like take on the paternal name Alien society, man. Unless she ends up being a single mom. I mean, there's just, like, I could just go down, like, a really, like, I could go down a rabbit hole here. There's also, like, a rabbit hole of, like, what if Druzad is actually Seg's kid and he never knows? And, yeah, that's the soap opera fan and man and me, so. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure somebody's probably writing that fanfic, like, I'm, right now. I'm sure. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that would make, like, the whole, like, General Zod, Jor-El thing, like, even more soapy if they are actually half brothers and they don't know yeah so general hospital that's really where my brain always goes to like the most dramatic soap opera thing ever that could possibly happen on a show (laughs) so you have to forgive me sometimes i'll have like some crazy theory that you're like no that's not i'm kind of intrigued by this though (laughs) like would be so sad right and what if they like never knew what if she never told them and superman fights his uncle right yeah, of course she would never tell them. That's how that would work. It would be like in a letter on her deathbed or something. Right. And like Krypton blows up before she gets to tell them, so they never know. And then in Man of Steel, Henry Cavill is actually killing his uncle. But he doesn't know. And he doesn't know. See, it's just super soapy. <laughs> I just made Krypton a soap opera, sorry. So. The balloon. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Let's come out of the rabbit hole. Come out of the rabbit hole. I don't even remember what we were talking about before I went into the rabbit hole. I have lost it as well. Yep. Sorry. Right. Totally my bad. So anyway. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm just going to pull something else out of the air that I thought was really neat this week. The voice of Rao talks. Oh my God. The voice of Rao talks. And you know what he sounds like to me? Creepy as hell. Yes. Absolutely creepy as hell. But did you see the Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey? No. <sighs> I feel, I feel fine about that choice. (laughs) It's not horrible, but so for the, for the listeners, if you've seen a Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey, when he is the ghost of Christmas past, because he voices all the ghosts in the movie, he has this creepy like whisper voice. And as soon as Rao spoke, I was like, oh my God, that sounds like the voice of Christmas past. That's weird. (laughs) Actually like an extra layer of creepiness. Yeah. Especially given the whole, like, story that he told all about how, like, Rao sort of subsumed all the old gods and 
I don't know. I have this, I have, here's my crazy like fan theory of the week. I have some crazy theory that the person who's under the, the many headed mask has to be somebody who either a, we know or B whose like name we would recognize. And I think that's, I think, that I'm just like 1000% convinced of this and I have no evidence for it whatsoever. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. I don't know who that is. Like, I couldn't say like, oh, I think it's, like, I, I can't say like, oh, I think it's Seg's dad. Like, I don't think that's who it is. But like, I totally, yeah, like, I feel like it's going to be somebody that we know. I just can't, I just can't in my mind, like, come up with who that, who that someone might be. Yeah, I'm not convinced it's somebody that we've actually, like, met on screen yet, or if it's just someone who, like, once someone said their name, we'd be like, oh, my God, yes, that person. Right. Like, it's just a person, it's just someone, a character that we know from this mythology somehow. But I have no idea who that is. Yeah, no, uh, agree. But that was pretty cool. And you know what I liked? We talked about this last week, I think, um, when you are given backstory and it feels natural in the dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, I think you said like, I'm not just going to sit down over a cup of coffee and be like, so Michelle, let me tell you all about my life (laughs) because people don't talk, don't do that in in like actual, you know? Um, so I liked with, with the voice of brow, like how Darren is like, Oh, this is the first, probably the first time you've ever been close to him. So, of course, you're staring at the mask, which makes sense. Like, not everybody would be able to be so close to your deity. Like, you know, it's kind of like the Pope. Like, I've never been anywhere within 100 yards of the Pope ever in my life, and I'm over 30 years old. So, like, (laughs) you know, it's this idea of, like, oh, this is the first time you're ever getting really close to this person. Let Let me explain to you, or, like, maybe you don't remember, like, why his headpiece looks like this. And it felt, like, natural to me, and it also allowed us to, under, like, be given this backstory, this, like, creation myth, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was such a cool story, and I want more of that kind of thing. I just think there were, I think it's so interesting that this culture is a, is a theocracy, given how advanced they are. I mean, I don't, this is going to come off like I'm insulting religion, and I'm 1,000% not happy. Holy week, everyone. But... Um, like it, it's, this is such a, a technologically advanced society. It feels a little, I don't want to say weird, but I don't necessarily mean weird, bad. I think it's an interesting dichotomy that it's also a theocracy. Usually cultures tend to go oh, yeah. kind of one way or the other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's very strange because normally science and religion are, are two opposing things. And like, it's, it's oftentimes very hard for those two things to meet in the middle um, because science always, of course, is sort of explaining I mean, is there why your religion is not true, guild? or... Does it what? Is there a religion guild? These are the questions that I have. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's a science guild? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there must be, like, a set of, like, priests or something, or some type of... I'm yeah, sure. I think it's such a, I think it's such an interesting dichotomy. Because there was, there's that one shot, like whenever the voice comes out, there's those other people in the robes that look similar to his. They're just a different color. Mm-hmm. Um, so those I imagine are like what we would equate to being like priests or nuns or something of that nature that like just sort of follow around with him. Mm-hmm. I'm just so intrigued. Like, is he a human or whatever they are, Kryptonian? Is he like a person? Like, does he take that off at night? 
Does it stay on Does his head all the time? It? Does he sleep? Right. Does he sleep in it? Like, it's got to be so uncomfortable. It's faces <laughs> all the way around. Do other people get to see him? These are these ridiculous questions that go. <laughs> like, do the, do the vexes know who he is? Like, I don't, uh, I'm so curious about it. I know. That. I'm super curious about it. Like, and I know that that's not like a main thrust of the story, but I feel like the show's done such a good job of kind of world building this society that, like, I think that's a good, that I want to know all these things. I think it's a good thing. Well, and it's interesting, and I, I do think it is important, because one of the things when, like, Darren is talking to Seg about his grandfather is he says, you know, I once really admired him, and, you know, but the things that he was finding out and, and saying were, you know, they they were sort of attacking our way of life. And so there is, I think, in some future, be it this season or, you know, another season, there will be a point in time where, you know, Seg is going to bring apart these ideas. I mean, Brainiac is here, so they're going to, at some point this season, have to acknowledge that people come from other planets, like that there are other planets that have life. So I think that that'll get brought up again because that's the whole, like, crux of why Val was, you know, sentenced to death. Yeah, again, it's just, like, such a strange thing because I feel like it can't be, it doesn't, it just seems like there's such an advanced society that that the idea of suggesting that there is some life in the universe beyond their planet should not be, like, a, a punishable by death <laughs> offense. It's just, it's wild to me. Like, how did they get there? Because I don't feel like they were, I got the sense, and actually this is a good, tell me if you got this sense too or if I'm just being way off base. I got the sense that they weren't always a theocracy. Oh no, yeah, because Darren says at one point, like when he talks about the other gods, he says, oh yeah, you know, at one time we worshipped all of them. And then, you know, Rao became sort of the one, the one god. So there, there are, um... Yeah, I'm sure at some point there was some kind of, like, crusades of such, you know, followers of one one god and followers of another, and Rao just kind of kind of won, won the day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the winner always gets to tell the story, so... That's true. You know, however... However, they sort of present it to the public, you know, is... And, and of course, I, I feel like it's been some time. It's not like... Oh, 30 years ago, this, you know, this occurred. It's, yeah. it's obviously been a while. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. You, you read that correctly. I think there was a time when there were multiple deities and now there's just the one. Okay. The other thing that I, I want to know if you read this the same way that I did is, so Nissa, um, you know, Seg asks Darren if he can have his parents' ashes. He wants to bury them properly. And Darren's like, sorry, can't do it. So Nissa gives them to him. And she was, like, super fascinating in this episode because I feel like we got to see, like, four different sides of this character. Because mm-hmm. when she brings them to him, she does very much seem, like, compassionate and, you know, remorseful that her father wouldn't give these to him. To him, And, you know, he's like, you know, you could get in trouble for this. She's like... And she says to him, everyone... Something to the effect of, like, everyone deserves the chance to say goodbye to someone that they love. And I couldn't help but wonder if, like is there someone that Nissa didn't get to say goodbye to that she loved? You know, I did not think of that, but where's her mom? Yeah. Her mom or, or, you know, a similar situation like Seg and Lida, you know, is there someone that she was in love with that her father, 
you know, took from her. Probably had murdered. Had murdered, right. Or her mom. Or her other siblings. Because where the, I, I, I sort of like, her, her, the mom thing, I, I figured is maybe we just haven't seen. Because she mentioned that she's one of five in the first episode. So oh, I, man, I did not catch that at all. Yeah, she says something like, oh, out of five sisters or something like that, she says. So I just assume we don't see the other members of her family for whatever reason. Unless I'm wrong. Internet, let me know if I'm wrong. I'm sure you will. But <laughs> I'm almost positive that that's, that's what she says to Seg. I'm almost positive she says that to him in the pilot. I watched the pilot a few times, so I'm pretty, pretty sure. I'm like 90% certain about that, but... I could be incorrect. I would love to know. I would love to meet her other siblings. Right. I want to know if they all turned out like her. <laughs> but she is, you know, talking about the women, um, how we were saying at the beginning that the women in this episode were just fascinating. You know, she like, she has this one personality with Seg. And then, you know, you find out later on that with, when she's talking to her dad, that that was all sort of like put on to get him to trust her and to, you know, sort of do what they want him to do. And it's so hard to tell with her what's reality. And yeah. I think, like, Wallace Day does such a good job in, like, in her facial expressions and just the way she plays the character that whatever she's saying in that particular moment, you believe as truth. Mm hmm You know, like, other characters you can kind of tell, like, or on any other, like, other shows you could tell, like, okay, this is the lie and this is the truth. But with her, whenever she's in, like, a scene, I'm always just like, oh, this is it. This is the real her. And then, like, she's in another scene, and I'm like, oh, no, this is the real her. I think it's really, <laughs> I think it's interesting because I think her character has this effect on other characters, and her performance has this effect on us of being whoever you want her to be in that moment. Yeah. Like, if you're already predisposed to like her, then you're going to believe that she was being genuine with Seg, that she really you know, felt some sort of kindness toward him, even if she was playing him for some larger purpose. If you don't like her and think she's like a scheming witch, you're immediately thinking that her behavior has validated every opinion you had of her and that she's a snake who can't be trusted. Right. And I think she has, her character has that effect on all the characters in the show because she's playing so many layers at one time that she's where she wants to be with everyone. Like, I don't know if she is fully on her father's side, but he thinks she is. Right. Like, I don't know if, if she, you know, feels any, anything towards Seg at all, but he thinks that he can trust her. So I don't, it's interesting because she reflects back whatever you're looking for. So I don't know what her view of herself is yet. And I am really dying to find that out. It'll be interesting, too, to see going forward if she does have some sense of self that changes along the way. You know, like, if she has some sort of end game in mind for herself that that begins to take shape differently as, you know, events play out. You know, if we get to see this moment of her being like, it was supposed to go this way and now it's not and now I feel like I have to change my trajectory. Um, yeah, she just really is fascinating to me. She seems like such a survivor. Like, I feel like no matter what happens with any of this, like, she's going to be fine. Because she's going to completely, like, manipulate the situation to her own end at some point. Also, I'm really just obsessed with her outfit this week. I thought it was <laughs> just fantastic. I'm like, always obsessed with all of her outfits. I mean, House Vex 
and I tweeted this last last night because I was live tweeting, but like they have just the I don't know, like the most stylish like leatherware. <laughs> that and that and everyone like what I I should know how to say this because it's actually my astrological sign, like the Sagittarii, like they're battle capes. Oh but, yeah, like. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're gonna beat the hell out of each other, but also we're gonna wear amazing robes first. <laughs> so let's talk about that. So Lyda, so it's funny because I felt like in the first episode we didn't get too much development with Lyda other than just that she was like Seg's love interest. But this episode we get she has such a story. Oh my um, gosh, best part. But be- I mean, she's the best part of the whole episode. Her beating that guy's ass. Which, you know what's funny? Obviously, going into it, you know she's going to win because she's a main character. So, like, in your head, of course, you're like, all right, well, obviously this is going to end positively for Lyda because they're not going to kill her. But, like, you're still able... It was just done so well that you're still, like, really enjoying it and really in the moment as it's happening. Yeah, it was amazing fight choreography, too. I was super impressed with the fight choreography. And I just, I just, I wasn't, yeah, you're 100% right that we're like, well, clearly she's going to either win this or something's going to happen. Like, she's going to be fine. But I was 100% not expecting her to break a guy's neck in the second episode. No, no. Like, and not even, like, flinch about it. That was just stone cold, and I loved it. I mean, you know, not really, like, saying I love murder, obviously, but, like, I just thought that was (laughs) such a surprising, like, character moment for her because you always think that, like, female leads slash love interests slash, you know, women on shows like this are not supposed to, to be that brutal. And she just snapped that guy's neck like it was nothing. And that was amazing. What I liked about her whole story, this, you know, Lyda very much, I feel like, kind of wears her heart on her sleeve a little bit. And it is often to the detriment of the way she is viewed by other people, particularly mm-hmm. by her mother. You know, her mother, you know, she says to her mother, like, you've never believed that I could be a warrior, that I was worthy of the Zod name. And her mother's kind of like, oh, no, 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 that's not true. And she's like, no, it is. And so I liked that she was able to be layered, a layered character in the sense that she wears her heart on her sleeve. But at the same time, she can snap your neck if she needs to. Where, like, typically characters like that don't have both don't have both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked, you know, I, I liked also that she, as the opposite of, of what's going on with Seg, you know, she does everything that she does. She puts her life on the line for other people. It's not, it's not really about her. You know, she doesn't agree with the way they're going about, you know, trying to take down Black Zero. And she's like, you're going to kill innocent people. And that's not acceptable to her. She's more, like, you know, concerned about the welfare of these other people than she is about, you know, how they go about doing this. Actually, this is, like, a a question that I was asking myself slash making a note that we should talk about was that I was so shocked that, that Jaina basically tried to say that she did what she did because she was trying to protect Seg. Like, I didn't feel like her actions had anything to do with Seg, really. Like, I thought it was more the kind of thing you were just talking about, where she was trying to right an injustice. She was trying to be like, you know, we're going to make things worse if we just attack the rankless for doing, for, for harboring these people who make up a tiny percentage of them. 
I was really, I was actually kind of torn about this because I was really glad that, that she got to do her own thing this weekend. It wasn't about, about Steg at all, but I kind of wish they had at least had a conversation at some point because we could have gotten some clarity about her motivations because I didn't read it at all. Like she was doing anything for him. I thought it was because this is the right, I I read it as her behaving in a way that's like, this is the right thing to do and I'm going to do it and I'm going to risk my life to help, you know, other people. Yeah. I no, I agree. I, that was a really weird, like to me when that happened, when, when Jaina was like, I don't know why you're doing this to protect him. I was super confused because that was not the way I read Lyda's actions at all. Me neither. Not to mention, like, Seg isn't a rankless anymore. Actually, that's a good point. I was like, I don't understand this thought process of her mother's because, and they both know that he's being put into a guild and that he's being, um, binded, binded, that he's binding with, uh, Nissa Vex. So, I was kind of like, well, what would she be protecting him from? He's not going to be down there anymore anyway. So, it was like such a bizarre, like, I wonder, I wonder if that was like an edit like a, like a weird edit. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to be. I think it either has to be some sort of simple technical explanation like that, or maybe we're supposed to read it like further confirmation that her mother doesn't understand her, or and doesn't understand like the things that that motivate motivate her. her? Yeah, because I was like, that's not how I read this at all. I, I was like, where is she even getting this from? That that I I saw nothing that would would be like, yeah, that's clearly what she what she's doing and even even when she does have that very short interaction with seg you know that's basically him being like you know listen i'm really upset about what your mom did but i know it wasn't you and she says to him like we both have to you know kind of do what we feel is right in our heart so even like that moment i didn't feel i felt like she was kind of saying like okay you go do you i'm gonna go do me and i i didn't feel like like what she did had anything to do with him yeah no and I liked I, that. And then when her mother said it, I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't I didn't read it like that. It was super strange. And I think we're correct in that she was not doing it like for him. And what you're saying I think what you're saying is true that like her mother it was just like an idea showing that like her mother doesn't really understand her. Their relationship is so interesting though. I want I kind of I mean you know, I know that the main story has to run through the L house because it's a Superman prequel, but like I, their story is more interesting right now. And I well, want more of that. episode five is titled House of Zod. So oh, yes. I'm kind of hoping we have an entire episode dedicated to these two women and their, and their relationship. Cause it's, it's 100% fascinating. Um, the other thing that I really liked too within Lita's story was the interactions with Dev M. So like with him last week, all we really found out was that he's just sort of like, he's a Sagittarius and then he's her betrothed or intended, whatever. Um, but we didn't, we didn't really get too much with him. Um, so what I, I liked a couple of things with him. I liked that we got a little bit of understanding of him. In the sense that his family, he's he is also now a orphan like Seg, um, you know that his family was murdered by Black Zero and that he has scars from Black Zero. So his motivation to like the ends justify the means and go along with the commander's plan makes makes sense, you know, because he has this sort of like backstory within him of like, yeah, no, my scars still hurt, and so I kind of I kind of don't care who who gets plowed down in the process. Um, but what I what I really liked about him was that, you know, they have this really interesting 
setup of these arranged marriages and so you don't really know like do these people care for one another or or not and it was evident in this episode that he at the very least respects and admires Lyda mm-hmm. like I liked that he came in and said to her like you know you you're not Sagittarius you're a warrior you know and he says to her basically what her mother can't and I liked that you could tell that he he has respect for who she is and like he doesn't try to fight her on on doing this where her mother is like, what are you crazy? Why are you doing this kind of thing? And he's just like, no, like you got this. I know. I just keep going back to the scene at the end when she gets, this is just back to Jaina again, because I'm obsessed with Jaina. <laughs> when Lida goes into the, I don't know, command room, whatever it is to sort of formally get charge of, of her squad. And her her mom does all of the sort of investiture or whatever it is. But then she gives her this look and I can't decide and I seem to waffle about 50-50 on it. Whether it's sort of like this this look of pride or this look of, of like she's about to cry. And I can't I can't decide whether or not she is proud of her daughter's accomplishments or or secretly like wanted a different kind of life for her. And I'm very torn about where I think it ends up. I think it's both. I think, so one of the things that I wrote in my recap is the woman who plays Jaina, um, I'm going to butcher her last name, but Anne Ogbomo, she, her face, like, she's so expressive. And so even, a lot of times a character like her is very one note, you know, just mm-hmm. this, like, militant parent. Um, but, like, just her, like, when when Lyda wins the battle, like, you see she has this slight smirk of, like, pride. And then, like you said, then she has this, it's in the way she says things too, like, she's, she's warning her, like, well, you know, like, you know, now you've just made your life harder. But at the same time, there's this, like, undertone of concern. Um, And so I think maybe, like, for her, and I, and I'm I hope this gets explored in their, their episode, like, I'd be interested to see how she was raised, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, it's this idea of, you know, this is our house, this is what we stand for, you know, this is who we are, we're these warriors. But maybe, you know, maybe Jaina wanted something different when she was younger and wasn't allowed to have it. You know, and so maybe there she's carrying on the tradition of raising her daughter in this manner, but maybe secretly kind of always hoping that she'd that like she, be a scientist. She'd or be yeah. Or like, you know, even in the pilot when uh Seg's mom says to her, you know, like our children are in love, like you know, and Jaina sort of dismisses it. But then later on, she helps Seg's parents. She stops them from, you know, being forced to tell the truth. And she sort of protects Seg. You know, so as much as, like, she seems like she she's, she doesn't care, I feel like there's, like, an undertone of her actually caring. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe even within herself, she sort of questions it. Well, I think it's also probably one of those things where, like, you think that you aren't going to bend the rules for anything, but then suddenly you find the reason that you will totally do that. And I'm assuming at some <laughs> point we will see that more clearly like her daughter is, is that for her. Right. I kind of like, that's my new little headcanon now. I kind of want to believe that she like wanted her to be a scientist or a gardener or something, you know, nerdy and calm and yeah. not breaking a dude's yeah. neck. And we've seen that, you know, in fiction before you have that, or in real life, too. I mean, you have that parent who pushes you, and then, you know, when the child doesn't do 
that exact thing, they're kind of like, no, you know what? I am proud of you for being your own person. So it'll be, it'll be sort of interesting. I'm really, I really love their relationship. It's very, very interesting to me. Me too. And I like, and I appreciate that this show has these nuanced characters. You know, a lot of times you watch some of these shows and and they'll spend a lot of time on like two or three characters and then everyone else is a little, is very one note. Yeah. Like they're there to provide like science explanation or. Right. Or, or, or be be the militant, you know, general, or be the, you know, the comp, the comedic relief, or whatever, you know, and and they don't get like sort of these layers added to them, which is not is is not reflective of real life, you know. <laughs> Pe- people have layers. They have, you know, you can be one thing, but you're not just one thing. You're many things. There's many facets that make someone's personality. So. I appreciate that it feels like all of the characters have been very well thought out. That even if we don't ever know their backstory, I feel like they have one. Like, I feel like the writers know Jaina Zod's life story. Even if we never hear it, they sat down and they figured out exactly who this woman is. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it, actually. <laughs> totally feel that, too. Like, it's it's not like, she's not like a, a stand-in for an idea or something. Like, she is a, a lived-in person who had her own experiences and that informs what she does now and I think that's true for pretty much every character yeah even a character like Adam who I feel like we haven't spent a lot of time with I get the sense that like there's more there than what he's sharing Mm -hmm. you know like it's not just like oh hey Superman sent me here I feel like there's more to him than what we've been told so far yeah like how he knows how to speak Kryptonian (laughs) I said something about this last night. I was like, does he have a TARDIS translator in his pocket? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how he's even communicating with people. Well, my, it's funny. I think I saw you say this and then I was listening to someone else talk about it. And I was like, my sort of, my like quick headcanon was just Superman sent him here. So I would assume that he prepared him for this. I mean, like, there's probably some technology that just handles it, but I just thought. Right. Well, cool. I'm sure if he's friends with Superman then he's been in the Fortress of Solitude, and I'm sure the Fortress of Solitude has some computer that can teach you Kryptonian, so he learned Kryptonian. I See, this is... Normally I can hand-wave stuff like this, but I would love just a throwaway line from a show that puts their previous leads in Kryptonian. Like, right. like just come on. Just a little something. I saw also someone else was um, talking about, like, someone on Twitter was talking about gravity, and, like, how does he... How can he, like, walk, I guess, or breathe or whatever on Krypton? Oh, oh, yeah. Isn't their whole, their whole, that's why Superman is super strong on Earth, right? Because of, there's, like, atmospheric things. Yeah. And I was, like, I was, like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm, like, that was one of those things that I was, like, that I totally hand-waved. Like, whatever. I don't need you to explain to me why he's not walking around in, like, like an astronaut suit. I'm fine with it. Like, it's, like... (laughs) Like, I totally don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need you to put Sean Sipos in any kind of mask, so we're good. Um, so, like, he's pretty to look at, so I don't want you covering his face with some type of breathing device, so whatever I need to hand wave away, I'll hand wave away for that. Magic. But I, I do know, uh, I feel like, I don't know if it was on this show or where, where, where I was reading this, but some, that basically Krypton is, like, a more advanced version of Earth. And so I was like, oh, maybe they're just the same. Like, maybe they just have the same gravitational pull. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it has something to do with the Zeta Beam. (sighs) I don't know. 
I'm just like Adam and the gravity didn't seem super important to me, but I saw other people talking about it, and I was like, oh. Uh, I you guess, know how nerds who like genre are. <laughs> I was like, I guess that's a thing I should be concerned about, but I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things I sort of take as given. Like, I ha- I should take the fact that he can talk to everyone as given, but for some reason that just really, like, stuck in my head. I was like, how is he communicating with people? I don't understand. <laughs> but, eh, to let it go. It's <laughs> what I love about Doctor Who. They've, like, built in an excuse they're like, oh yeah, we just have this technology that allows you to that it just burrows in your brain and can translate any alien language. And I'm like, good, that's all I need to know. Sit. Yeah. The things we think about. The things I know. It's it's so funny. It's just like if you, if you sit there and you sort of like nitpick these things, you can find a million things to nitpick. But um, here's another thing I need people to explain to me is, and that's how the Brainiac rock works. Like, is it a creature? Is it like a spy cam? <laughs> I did, it really. I mean, no offense, guys, but it really did not look like that threatening. So I don't. I don't know what it was doing, and I need somebody to to walk me through why that's extremely bad. We already knew Brainiac knew the planet. I don't know. It was a weird looking rock. I kept waiting for like a like some kind of creature to burst out from it, like a, like, like an a alien. Person. Like a hermit crab, yes. kind of. Like a space hermit crab, and it never did. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a... Yeah, I don't know. That was another thing I didn't really like. I was like, oh, they found a rock, whatever. Um, I was so invested in the other stories, I didn't even like think about that. Yeah, they didn't well, really explain exactly what it was. Yeah, I think it's supposed to just sort of heighten our awareness of the fact that this is a real threat that's closer than we thought it was. Which, cool. But I also don't understand how the rock conveyed that to them. I, I'm assuming that it must be that that somehow, in a way that I'm unclear as yet, Adam has encountered that before and knows what they are. I'm willing to hand wave that, but I just I don't I don't know what its purpose is, and that makes me feel dumb. <laughs> so the magic rock says bad things are happening. Yeah. See, I was um. Someone else was talking about this day. Like, how does Adam have Superman's cape and? Like, you know, is it that he, that Superman just sent him here? Like, is there a little bit more to the story? Um, Like, has something really bad happened in the future? And I kind of feel like perhaps Brainiac has already, like, come to Earth and Superman almost stopped him or he stopped Superman or something bad has happened to some other planet. And Superman tried to stop him. Yeah, I'm trying to like work it out in my head while we're while I'm sitting here. Um, <laughs> so I feel like Adam must have encountered Brainiac at some point, be mm-hmm. it maybe not necessarily on Earth, but maybe on another planet. Because um, that's like Adam's whole thing is that he like ends up going to Ron, Ran, however you pronounce that, and that's where like the whole Zeta Beam thing comes from. And mm-hmm. his, like, radioactive teleportation. So maybe Brainiac was on that other planet? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll tell us next week. <laughs> to, to be determined. To be determined. I'm I'm curious to find out, though. I was tr- obviously trying to work that out out loud in my head. Yeah, me, me too, because I feel like this is only a, a tent a 10 episode season so I mean kind of got to kick it into gear to tell us a little bit about you know the whole brainiac end of things but I suppose on the plus side 
that means that they're not just, you know, manufacturing filler about Brainiac either. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we still haven't gotten like too much about Brainiac. Um, other than that, like he's this evil thing that's coming to destroy Krypton. And it's very bad. I'm even like I'm looking at the 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 episode titles like so like next week next week's episode episode three is called the rankless initiative and the cool the explanation of this episode is during a military crackdown in seg's home district seg and adam strange race to find a deadly sentry so that doesn't seem like any brainiac stuff (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like episode four is called the word of rao uh episode five is called house of zod that sounds exciting yeah and is that all we know so far episode six is called civil wars i don't see a name for seven and eight Um, maybe they released them yet yeah i do know that the episode titles for nine and ten which are the last two episodes so this is exciting episode nine is titled hope Ooh. um which in the world of superman could mean many things could actually just mean hope it could mean a new uh a new definition for the House of L sigil. And the season finale is the Phantom Zone. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so yeah, I have I don't have any episode titles for seven and eight, so maybe those are more brainiac heavy episodes. Yeah, I always wonder when I see stuff like that, like is it because the title of the episode is like somehow a spoiler? You know what I mean? Like they yeah. can't get out there too early because it's gonna give away something that happened right. one of the episodes before it. Right. Well, I mean, like, exactly. Obviously, obviously, episode five is about the Zod women. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I feel like sometimes they don't release episode titles because I feel like it'll give some type of, like, story thing away that maybe we haven't seen yet. You know, <clears throat> like, maybe by the time episode four comes out, they'll be able to tell us what the episode title is, episode seven is. Because, like, a character we haven't met yet or something is the title of episode seven or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, that person. Yeah. The person who's actually under Rao's mask. That would be amazing, actually. So, yeah. I mean, what else? Did we discuss everything? I feel like we did. I think so. I feel like this was a slower episode. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it definitely it definitely took its time. Yeah, no, stuff. it definitely was. I mean, the pilot, you know, you've got to pack so much into that. So, yeah. You know, that's understandable why that's going to move move at a faster pace. And I think that this episode sort of sets a little bit more of a realistic expectation for each, for, like, the subsequent episodes to follow. Like, they're not all going to be jam-packed like the first one was. Mm-hmm. Which is fine with me. If there's, I, I actually prefer, like, less is more. Like, <laughs> I prefer more, like, okay, we're going to, we're going to focus on these three plots this episode, not, like, seven plots. I know. I think better done in smaller doses, but done well. Right. Like I don't want. I don't want this show to be Riverdale, <laughs> where I'm like, I mean, can you guys possibly jam any more stuff into one episode? It's true, though. Well, because the problem with that is <laughs> not to get off on our Riverdale tangent, but it means that like no one story has any time to breathe. Yeah, and you end up with things like Cheryl and Tony being jammed together in a pairing that started like an episode ago. Oh, yeah, I, I, one Riverdale sidebar, guys. Like, the fact they revealed her being a stalker and then just were like, yeah, now we're done with that storyline. I was like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? I did not like last night's episode, just for the record. Uh, well, I love Cheryl, but other than that. I want Archie, I want Archie to die. 
I'm sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> Riverdale tangent over. Welcome to the Krypton Riverdale. Riverdale. <laughs> Two things that have nothing to do with the other. <laughs> well, when we're in the off season, we'll do like a what guild do we think they're in? And then we'll just go through like all the shows we like and try oh. to figure out where they'd be. Archie's definitely rankless. <laughs> he has no intelligence level whatsoever, so he wouldn't possibly be in a guild. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like in whatever the vexes are in law law fair oh law, the lawmakers not, the lawmakers law guild are like not lawyers different is there a social justice warrior guild because that's where Jughead would be <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh if you guys cannot tell we were taping this kind of late at night and starting to go <laughs> <laughs> ah. coming back to this this put everyone in their guild idea when we're in the hiatus that is for sure oh yeah and we'll have to um we'll also have to sort all the krypton characters into uh harry potter houses oh yes absolutely so getting back to krypton um did we get any uh tweets this week we had a lot of people talking to us during the episode i'm trying to see if anyone had any comments that they wanted shared on the podcast that weren't just like about the episode itself i, I really know you had um you had some interactions uh with crypt with the crypt the sci-fi uh page and i think uh with sean right mm-hmm. there were some interactions with sean the cast is really great about like liking and retweeting and responding during the episodes yeah they do seem very active on twitter which i definitely approve of. i hope they do that uh like all season long it's it's kind of fun to see them you know engaging with the audience Oh, okay, here's just a general kind of kind of thought on the episode from Steve at Critical Blast. His Twitter handle is at CBNerd. Um, his sort of, you know, 280-character roundup is Nissa can't be trusted. Lyda kicks ass. Adam and Cam are awesome together. Seg is an unpolished ruffian with all the charisma of Han Solo. I really like that description. Mm. Yeah, how dare they end episode two like that? Give me episode three now. I agree with all of that. Especially the Han Solo comparison, I think, is very apt. He is very sort of just, you know, diamond in the rough, to steal a phrase from Aladdin. You know, it's funny. Um, when I kept, I, I did actually see that comment go to the to the Twitter handle, and I uh, I was all night making Indiana Jones references. So it was funny that they made a, like, same, you know, same same guy. <laughs> they made, um, they made the, the Han Solo reference. Yeah, next week I'm going to remember to, like, do a, a better job of sort of curating actual question versus just people who want to gush about the episode or whatever. Oh, here's an interesting question from someone. Can Krypton take place on one of the other 52 Earths? Enrique Buenrostro asks us. And I actually, I think we talked about this once before, but I find that an intriguing theory. Like what if they are in the multiverse? in the part of the multiverse mm-hmm. where Krypton doesn't explode. Right. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, before, in the in the episode before. Um, I think I said, I was like, what if we get to the end and they're like, JK, <laughs> Adam's in the wrong universe. This isn't the Krypton that blows up. <laughs> wah, wah. I think that would be really interesting, though. Just because they've already kind of established in this, in this franchise that it's possible because Supergirl exists in a different universe than the flash does right so which i i understand is so they don't have to explain like why superman is not helping them with all of their metahuman related problems but it's it's an answer that that also makes some other things work i'd be into that i'd I'd be into that not 
just for that reason, but because it means that we don't know the end of the story. Right. I kind of think that's awesome. Yeah. I also think it would be like, if this show ends up going into episode, like season like seven or something, it would be cool to be like, okay, you know, this isn't, you know, be able to see like Jor-El and Kal-El and all of those characters <clears throat> living on, you know, who, who would Superman have been if he never left Krypton? I know, wouldn't that be interesting? I mean, he wouldn't be Superman He wouldn't anymore. be Superman, right. Regular dude. Just some rando. <laughs> Just some rando. Oh, the thing that I was trying to find the one thing that I first, like, Indiana Jones reference that I made. When Seg is in the fortress and he's trying to figure out, like, how to jumpstart the computer. And he reads the thing and it's like, the blood of the House of El will bind us. And he's like, it felt very much like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Like, when Indiana Jones is trying to, like, you know, get into the grail. And he's going through, like, all the different... And he's reading the book. Mm-hmm. And, like, Seg is standing there and he's going, the blood of House L. And it just reminded me of the penitent man shall pass. <laughs> and so I was, like, searching. See, I immediately thought of Supergirl because I think Supergirl has done something similar with the blood thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it is just proof that they're all in the same universe. Yeah, like, I think her blood is what gets you into the into her fortress. Yeah, I think that's, like, the key or something. So I was like, look, everyone does it. They're all part of the same, like, wider universe, if not the specific universe. Yeah. I liked that. It was funny, too, because it's like, once he cut, like, puts the blood on the thing, then he gets his old man. Like, you know, he gets his grandpa sort of the same way that, like, Indiana Jones gets the, like, knight that's guarding the grail. Also, why does everyone who ever has to cut their hand open to, like, open a secret cut the, in their palm their blood oath. why do they why do they cut their hands like they that like just slice their, their palm open i don't understand like prick your finger people it's easy to, I, you don't really have to incapacitate your whole hand and it's it's a bizarre i don't know maybe i'm sure there's some like there must be some explanation for that because it's done on like every show every like can't you just prick your finger i don't understand why do you have to have this like gushing blood out of your hand yeah, I mean, there's. it's not like you need, like, a quart. It's just you need <laughs> You just stuff. need a drop of blood. <laughs> Read fairy tales, people. Specificity <laughs> matters. Oh, the other funny thing. There was a couple of, like, really funny, like, dialogue moments. So when, like, val says to Seg, um, you are the torchbearer now. Well, I was like, do they have the Olympics on Krypton? Uh, I just I pictured love- Seg, like, running with the torch. Like the I Olympic just love the part where he was like, I called it the Phantom Zone, like all proud of it. <laughs> and Seg's like, uh, and he's like, what? You don't like it? You have something better? He's like, no, no, it's sketchy, Grandpa. <laughs> like, oh, look at the old people. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did get one email. <clears throat> Let me read the email. It came from Anthony Hernandez. And he said, so his question was about Brainiac. So Brainiac is not a computer android from Krypton. He's devouring worlds like that horrible villain from the Green Lantern movie. Um, so we don't really know much about Brainiac yet. Um, we just know that he's coming to, you know, and uh, Adam refers to him as a collector of worlds. I imagine we'll get some more backstory on him, you know, in, in the upcoming episodes, like we said before. There's like, like six different like versions of how Brainiac came to be and where he's from and what exactly he is in the comics. You know, like, there's the Silver Age Brainiac, the Bronze Age, you know, the New 52 version, like, uh, the Rebirth. Like, there's different, different, and all of them are different. So I guess we kind of just have to wait and see which version of Brainiac they're using. Um, 
<clears throat> I know and why people would get confused though because they did just introduce what is it Brainiac 5 on Supergirl five? yeah on Supergirl so I feel like if you're only and I say this as somebody who literally falls into this category if your real only real exposure to the variety of this character is where we've seen it most recently oh yeah I think that'd be really like kind of a shock to the system you're like wait I thought he was like a nice friendly supercomputer nerd guy Right, planet eating. <laughs> um, and I know, like in one version, he's like like an entity. He's not a being, so he's this like computer program, and then and then he becomes. I think it's the Bronze Age. He becomes like a metal like being. Like like they all come together and make this like metal shape looking person like robot thing. Um, <laughs> And then there's like there's like a different iteration of it in like the cartoon of Superman. I know in Superman three that like computer that's like a villain was supposed to be Brainiac, but like they settled on it being that like computer thing. I guess they couldn't make Brainiac in nineteen eighty three or whenever that movie came out. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, my my answer to you, to you, Anthony, would be just uh, I'm not sure. I guess we have to wait and see what sort of backstory they give us on, on Brainiac and where exactly he helms from. Uh, cause I know in some versions of the story, he's actually from Krypton and in some versions he's from another planet. So it'll be interesting. It would be interesting if he does end up being from Krypton, like some, you know, some sort of ancient, you know, being like, from Krypton like, that yeah. left and is now coming back or. That's my new headcanon now is that he's one of the old gods that got replaced. Yeah, I mean, he totally Bring could be. Full circle. <clears throat> full circle. And, you know, I think something to sort of remind ourselves, and this is for everybody and, you know, us too, is, you know, when it comes to these shows, all of these shows, you know, there is a quote-unquote canon, but the canon itself changes depending on what decade you're in, what version of the story who the writer is, you know, um, and so when you, sometimes maybe I think creators want to give nods to the comics, but still have something that's sort of their own creation. And so they will kind of combine things. Um, you know, I know that that's true. Like on the flash, there's a lot of stuff that's like <clears throat> specific to like Wally's flash that Barry has and like vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's really just a matter of, you know, not getting sort of stuck in that, like, it should be this thing thought process. Yeah, I agree. Because it could be anything. Right. And, like, for me, I always kind of like when it's a little different. You know, like, I like when a creator can make something interesting out of, like, an idea. And it's a little different than anything you've seen before. Which this whole show is. Which is amazing. Yeah, I kind of like not being locked <clears throat> knowing what's going to happen. I think that's why I like the idea so much that this could be a Krypton in a different universe because then it's not bound by its own ultimate destruction. And I think that would be fun because it's, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've never been one of those viewers who really needs to like see a panel for panel recreation of something. Like right. if I want that, I can just read like I, I, the fun of the adaptation is, is, the ways in which it is not like a shot for shot reproduction of something that I already know. So I'd, ra I'd rather they surprise me sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's funny for me, <laughs> I, l I land somewhere in the middle of these things for the most part, because there are certain things that 
like a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter that I want translated to my screen, like, verbatim. Mm-hmm. And then there are other things that I'm like, I don't mind when they they adapt it more and make it more their own. Um, like, I most recently watched Watchmen, <laughs> and I read the comic, and that movie is literally, like, a frame for frame, like, it's frame for frame. The comic. Like, you could sit there and read the comic and watch the movie and, like, that's what's happening on the screen. And I was like, oh, I'm not a fan of this. <laughs> this doesn't work for me. Like, I want... And it was funny because when I was reading the comic, I was... I knew there was a movie and I the whole time I'm like, man, how I wonder how, like, you know, how Zack Snyder adapted this. Like, I, I wonder, like, how he, you know, how he's going to tell this story because I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's very, like convoluted in terms of like time the way the story is told it's told in like multiple time periods and it goes like back and forth and so it's a little confusing because you're like wait what 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 time period am i in again is it 1940 is it 1960 so i remember when i was reading it i was kind of like oh how are they going to do this and i was thinking about how like how would i do it if i was adapting it and then when i watched the movie it was frame for frame and i was like oh i don't i don't think i like that (laughs) So it's interesting. It's interesting kind of the things that we allow to be different and the things that we don't. But I would say when it comes to Krypton, you know, there's not really that much precedent. So kind of yeah, let, kind of let it let it be its own thing and enjoy it as it is. All right. I think right. that I think that might be episode 2. <clears throat> yeah, I don't I think we I think we covered everything. Okay, so I think we covered everything from the episode. Lacey, you want to tell them where they can find you on the interwebs? Sure. I am at Lacey MB, L-A-C-Y-M-B, pretty much everywhere. Um, also, you know, if you look that up, you're going to find me eventually. Uh, I write, oh my God, it's too late. I'm like blanking out now. I'm like, where am I? Okay, I've got it. I'm recapping The Flash this season over at Telltale TV, and I cover Dr. Who at Culturist, but I spend most of my time yelling about pretty much everything on Twitter. So come say hi. I love to yell with people. <laughs> awesome. Me too. No. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at MimiC1019. That's M-I-M-I-C 1019. You can find my writing. I'll be recapping Krypton as well as I recap Riverdale and write about a bunch of other stuff over at TV Source Magazine. I also host a podcast. It's hashtag TV Geek Podcast. You can find that on Twitter or Facebook. Um, and then over there we talk about all kinds of things. I'll We'll talk a little bit about, I'll let my colleagues talk a little bit about Krypton and well, we talk about all the Arrowverse shows and movies and Star Wars and Infinity War coming up and all that fun stuff. If you want to get more information on the podcast, you can visit us at kryptonpodcast.com for all the latest news, photos, trailers, descriptions, and more, um, along with the latest episode of the podcast. You can follow the podcast on social media at Krypton Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe to Krypton Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're there... On iTunes, if you could give us a nice five-star review, that would be awesome. It's a great way to support the podcast. And uh, be sure to let us know what you enjoy most about Krypton and and about our podcast. You can follow the entire DC TV podcast network um, where they have podcasts like Arrow for Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, all the classic DC TV shows, and um, the upcoming Titan show at dctvpodcast.com. You can follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And last but not least, you can subscribe to our mega feed on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. If you have any questions, thoughts about Krypton, 
etc. Email us at kryptonpodcast at gmail.com. That'll be all for this week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.